This is Tech Talk with Stephen Ambrose on 101.9 High FM. Well, good morning and welcome to Tech Talk right here on High FM where we always figure out what's hot in the tech world, what's happening and what's exciting. And uh, a really interesting show today. I've got some guests, one that I recorded talking a really good story, interestingly enough, about what Ford and the government are doing in Pretoria, Silverton to be exact, and um, some really interesting comments. I mean, we live in this age of doom and gloom. Everyone seems to be a little bit negative about what's going on in our country, and this is actually a very, very interesting story, and it sets the scene for, I think, cooperation between government and business and uh, some really clever thinking in an industry that uh, I think, you know, again, cars and um, tech have an interesting relationship. All cars are becoming magnificent tech machines. I mean, the average car's got about 10 or 15 computers built in. Not that you notice, but they're there. Hiding around, managing your transmission, your engine, your radio, your heavens knows what else. I mean, some of the more advanced models have up to 100 computers built in. So it's quite a an amazing story of how technology, well, everything's becoming technology, but cars in particular... You know, self-driving cars, electric cars. But anyway, this story is actually all of, is more about um, production, and we'll hear more about that in Tech Talk Cafe. So stay tuned to eleven twenty. Um, and also joining me in the studio is Stephen Cohn from um, Future TV, and he's been on the show before, and he's got an interesting story. But what's happened, and part of the news of the week, is in the U.S., Canada, and Netherlands. Don't ask me why those three. Well. U.S. and Canada, I can understand. Netherlands, no idea why. That's also included. Disney launched their Disney Plus. Everyone's adding a plus to their name. Apple Plus, Disney Plus, Hulu Plus. I don't know. Everyone's busy plussing away. But they added probably the most significant competitor to Netflix on the market today. Everything Disney, everything Marvel, Everything Star Wars and everything uh, National Geographic will be streaming or is streaming online right now via the Disney Plus platform. It is not available in South Africa yet, unfortunately, though maybe if you stay tuned around about 11.30, 11.40, uh, you'll hear how it's possible to share in some of the Disney wonder with Stephen. But um, all the Stevens in the studio, it's going to be fun. But... It is a significant change, another inflection point in, in the, I wouldn't say the death of TV, but the, the death of the old streaming, you know, linear, everyone gather around, get the kettle ready. <laughs> Remember those days, have the snacks available while we sat down and watched a particular soapy program that came on the same time, same place every week. It's just a different thing. Now you, you, you know, get all that stuff ready and then stream or binge the entire season of Friends, you know, in, in, in a couple of hours or days. So a fundamental change and some more competition. The good news for us South Africans on the Disney stuff, but I won't steal any thunder, is that a lot of that product, all of those, uh, pr- things will be available on two platforms, DSTV and their, um, their streaming platforms and on Netflix. So, we won't miss out entirely, but there's definitely been a step change in in competition. And unfortunately, we're now looking at two different streaming services. But a lot more about that straight after the uh, break. And we will talk properly with Stephen when he joins me in the studio later. 
This is Tech Talk with Stephen Ambrose on 101.9 High FM. Well, welcome back. And as I said, lots about streaming and and the new way we watch TV a little later. But an interesting event happened yesterday, launched and available in the U.S. and many, many other countries around the world, is a brand new MacBook Pro, probably the first, well, it is, in fact, the first major revision to the MacBook Pro, the Apple MacBook Pro platform, since 2015. Three and a bit years ago, they launched the new MacBooks with some interesting uh, keyboard choices and a whole lot of other things. And in the professional environment, in those guys who spend their lives in marketing and advertising and creating uh, various video platforms and, and manipulating imaging and just generally working on their, their computers for a livelihood. There was a bit of a backlash against Apple, who up to then had done very little wrong. But the old 2015 MacBook Pro was still seen as the benchmark for a professional high-end device. And the new MacBooks dropped all the ports. In other words, they only had USB-C. So dongle heaven introduced was introduced to the world. And it had a really new controversial butterfly keyboard, which tended to get stuff stuck under it and was sticky and clicky, and, and there was just a lot of backlash. Well, Apple had been working on it, it seems, and yesterday they launched their brand new 16-inch MacBook Pro. It's going to start probably at an eye-watering 35 to 40,000 Rand, if not more. It's selling in the U.S. for 2399 um, base model, but you can spec it probably all the way up to 150,000 Rand if you're so keen. But I think it's it's just interesting how Apple took the the, the comment, comments and criticism of their, their sort of focused user group to heart and have really done a lot of things. The initial, the initial word on the street, I haven't seen it, it will probably be in South Africa sometime towards the end of the month. They tend to be really quick with this sort of stuff these days. So expect to see the new MacBook Pro 16-inch in-store, and it replaces the 15.4-inch the range completely. So it's not a new model. Well, it's a new model, but it's not a new um, additional model in their range. It replaces the old 15.4-inch in pretty much the same size. What they have done is they've improved and increased the battery, and apparently they've done a hell of a lot of work on the thermal elements because big, heavy production devices that are used on high-end video production and photo manipulation tend to get hot. They use tons of, of processor power. And there was a lot of talk, again, from the professional industry saying that the previous generation was super slim, super light, very nice to use, but unfortunately, they tended to thermally throttle. They got too hot and they tended to slow themselves down and stop them from burning out. So the new ones are promising a 30% improvement in thermal management, which can offer a massive improvement in terms of being able to push the processes harder. They come with up to 64 gig of RAM. So these, they really got super serious. One or two people online who've tried them say the new keyboard certainly is a lot better than the old one, not as clicky, a lot more travel, feels more solid. So I think they've done a huge, a huge remodel in terms of making this work. And considering that this is around about $26 billion of their turnover, around about 10% of their overall turnover. It's, a, it's an important range. I think it creates a, a, a certain differentiation that Apple can use. So look forward to that. If you're in the market for a, a really top high-end 
uh, Mac laptop, and a lot of people do absolutely love their Macs, then this is a new one. The 13-inch hasn't been changed. It remains. It may change in the, in the nearest future, but uh, right now the 13-inch continues with the old keyboard and all the various bits and pieces, but I don't think it's aimed entirely at the same market. The 15-inch certainly is aimed at the very high-end market overall. So look for that. It should be out, but it's going to be pushing the 50,000 rand a laptop price. I mean, the current one is between 46 and 50,000 rand already before you start adding in all the options and whatnot. But this week was also a big week. Um, Vodacom announced their results on Monday, and it's the, the there's a lot of change happening in the mobile industry. There's no question. Cell C is honestly looking for a new partner, investor, and all sorts of things. As I I think I spoke on the radio a couple of weeks ago, the whole challenge that Celsi has is that mobile is a massive scale business. And I'm talking about Vodacom, not Celsi, but I thought it's a good, good segue into that sort of thing. And because of the scale, because of the size, because of the fact that Vodacom is part of the Vodafone group, which is one of the largest mobile operators in the world, they have the ability to do so many things that the smaller guys like Celsi and Telcom in this country with only a South African user base really, really struggle. Uh, in a nutshell, the, 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 the Vodacom results were good. For South Africa, they were stable, and considering our current business environment, um, it's not a bad thing. There was, a, again, the continual shift from from voice to data, although the voice decline seems to have slowed a little, both across Vodacom, MTN, and Telcom, who released their results. But they're on a bit of a growth path, so it's very difficult to compare. Vodacom and MTN are very comparable. They're both stable. They've got fairly stable user bases. Vodacom South African user base dropped a little, not significantly, but... You know, churn is churn, and losing people is losing people. And again, in South Africa, people tend to sort of rotate amongst the the various networks because of our massive uh, uh, prepaid uh, user base, so people can simply stop paying the one and buy another SIM and move to another. It's really quick, easy, forget about porting. It's just a different scenario. We have like an 80-90% prepaid user base, whereas... um, you know, Northern Hemisphere countries like Europe that are based in Europe, America, in the East tend to have a 90% prepaid or postpaid, in other words, monthly paid subscriber base with 10% prepaid. So very, very different and very, very much more volatile for our, for our networks in South Africa. What was also super interesting, their growth across the, the African network of the Vodacom African network was big. It's over 15%. And it just shows that there is growth to be had in Africa. Certain territories like Tanzania did really well. Their growth of M-Pesa, which is their money thing, was excellent, 10% growth. So overall, because Vodacom bought Safaricom, they really, really, really are doing quite well in, in smaller and less um, stable territories. And uh, in many cases, I think our politics have created an environment where our economy is underperforming substantially. But not being the economic show, I don't think we're going to explore that one very much. So I think Vodacom have set themselves up really well. And a couple of comments said at the launch, which unfortunately couldn't get to this time, but a couple of comments that came across is that, again, the networks, even though there's been some positive development on the spectrum and and the government seems to be playing a lot more ball, they're still a little frustrated with the sheer speed that this is happening 
looking at a little bit of 5G spectrum has been offered in the um, 3.5 band with telecoms, Sifo Maseko, absolutely slating the government for that, saying it's inadequate, useless, and will actually cripple 5G in South Africa. But I don't think we've seen the whole picture there, and I think that telecoms got a bit of an agenda. That's my personal feeling. But the simple fact is that we are not moving as quickly as we should. I don't think there's enough um, focus on on developing the market and too much focus on the so-called WOAN, uh, the why that's the government sort of arranged network that they're going to force all the other guys to to use. And this this idea has really worked extremely well nowhere in the world. And I have no idea how our gentlemen believe that they're going to get it to work here in cooperation with existing networks that do a fabulous job in the in the in the in any event. So. Watch the space. There's a lot happening. Uh, South Africa's holding its own in the mobile space. Uh, globe, uh, Africa-wise, both MTN and Vodacom are doing extremely well. There seems to be some real solid growth out there. And 5G will happen in South Africa in the nearest future, but there seems to be a couple more sort of uh, regulatory hurdles to hop over. And as for the Celsi saga, MT, uh, Telcom have made a made it clear that they would acquire Celsi, but uh, the regulator hopped in to say, well, you know, this is not going to be so easy. So on that note, we're going to take a quick break for our sponsors, and then we'll be back for Tech with Tech Talk uh, Cafe and my interview with um, Ian Hill from uh, from Ford. This is Tech Talk with Stephen Ambrose on 101.9 High FM. Welcome to Tech Talk Cafe, and I've got Neil Hill, who's the MD of Ford South Africa, and recently there's been, in fact last week, there was a massive announcement that Ford and the South African government uh, made. Welcome to the show, Neil. Good to have you. Good morning, Stephen. It's wonderful to be with you. Thank you very much for for the opportunity to join you. So give us a little insight. Um, Ford announced a major, uh, what event I think is the right way to call it, last week. Just tell us what it's about, what the impact is, and and what is what it's going to do for not only Ford but the greater automotive industry in South Africa. Um, Stephen, one hundred percent correct. I mean, last week was an exceptionally exciting week for us. Um, we had the honour of hosting the president of South Africa at the Ford Motor Company's uh, facility here in Pretoria, uh, in Silverton, and the purpose of the announcement was actually for the government to make the announcement of a joint program or project that we've been working on in conjunction with them to establish a Chwani Automotive SEZ, which is right uh, next to the Fort Silverton Ranger and Everest Manufacturing Facility. Just to clarify, an SEZ is a special economic zone, which has very special uh, implications for, it's not just another park. 100% 100% correct, Stephen, and I think that that's really what makes this announcement very special. You know, we have industrial parks around the country, but the the project that we worked on uh, very closely with all three tiers of the government was about establishing the special economic zone. And the significance of a special economic zone is that it actually gives companies who create greenfield or fresh operations in a special economic zone get benefits when it comes to corporate tax and also salary tax um, and a variety of other benefits associated with it by bringing new investment into South Africa. So a very pivotal moment for a lot of our suppliers and new suppliers that we're going to be bringing on board to expand 
the Ford supply base in South Africa um, as we look um, to the future as well. So it, it, it's not limited just to local supplies. Any company that wishes to to relocate or put an operation in this zone will will benefit from the the various special benefits and obviously being part of or, or, or so closely associated with a Ford plant it will focus on automotive and and various elements around the automotive industry. Hundred percent correct, Stephen. And I think the critical thing there to to highlight is that they need new facilities or new operations. So you can't relocate a local one. That is correct. So, for example, we can't have a supplier for argument's sake that, you know, hypothetically was in Cape Town and they then decided that they were going to relocate that manufacturing facility from Cape Town to Port Pretoria and put it into the SEZ. They would be able to come into the SEZ and participate in the structure of the, of the SEZ itself, but they would not get the additional economic benefits of corporate tax reductions and other things like that. So this fits uh, in very well with the government's um, new investment philosophy and part of the whole investment summit that I understand you were also part of. That is correct. I mean, I, I was privileged enough to participate in the second uh, investor conference hosted by the president as well. I was at the first one uh, and naturally participated in the second one. And this is really aimed at expanding the local supply base, increasing local content, and really driving the broadening and the deepening of the supply base in South Africa. And that's all in keeping also with the South African Automotive Master Plan 2035 that was recently announced after deliberation and consultation with the government and and labor as well in terms of the vision that we have where the automotive industry in South Africa is going to progress to. And that's, that's actually a critical point because, in you know, there's been so much economic gloom and doom and gloom of late. This is, is really quite a shining example of how government and major corporations can work together to create actual economic benefit for an industry that um, I, I'd like you just to give us a little context how big and how significant the motor industry is in South Africa. Well, Stephen, you know, let me first of all touch on one thing that you, that you really highlighted there, which was um, everybody is very quick to criticize the government and to say that they're not doing enough um, in terms of looking to promote and foster investment in South Africa. And quite frankly, through this experience, I, I would have to say it couldn't actually be further from the truth. We've worked incredibly closely with the government on this. And when I say government, I mean all three sectors. This has been a project that we've worked on with the city of Chwane. We worked on with the Premier of Gauteng, David, Premier David Makura, has been personally involved all the way through to Minister Patel and uh, Director General of the DTI, uh, Lionel October, in terms of making sure that across all three sectors of government, they have done everything in their power to remove every single roadblock that we encountered in terms of getting this done. This is what we termed as a go-fast program. Um, and, you know, the President referred to it yesterday at the investment conference in terms of finding a way that government could remove bureaucracy from the processes of establishing something of this nature. And effectively, I remember a conversation that I had with Premier Makura in early April where we were still negotiating and discussing over roadblocks to the point that on the 5th of November, after it had already been proclaimed and signed into law that the SEZ had been established in Swanee, we got the program over the line. It took three months, for example, to get a water license issue, which normally is a process that takes three years. So, so it's, it's really significant progress in that space. 
it's absolutely phenomenal. And, you know, I really have to give credit to the way the government has embraced the challenge that President Ramaphosa put to everybody in government to say that we need to become a country that rolls out a red carpet to investment and not a company, a country that actually chases investment away. And, and this, to me, is living proof in terms of how you can actually make it work. And the last really key area is what impact will this have on your operation and how will it assist your operation in South Africa? So the critical thing for us really to look at is by having our suppliers and, and, and the, the component suppliers that you know feed the four um, facilities here where we build our ranges and Everest right on our back doorstep, if you can call it that, because the, you know, the, the literally adjoining. Yeah. It is literally, we, we've got a common fence between the two of us and there's going to be a hole cut in the fence for us to be able to ferry components directly from our suppliers uh, into our facility. The, the real advantage that we've got is that we've got that direct contact with our suppliers they are on site you know we we can go in there we can do continuous quality improvements we can continuously monitor production we can understand exactly what's happening but it just takes that whole level so we reduce congestion on the roads because what we're doing is we we're no longer relying on transporting a whole multitude of different parts great distances because they're going to be located right on our, our back doorstep it takes a lot of the costs associated with manufacturing in terms of non-operational costs out of the equation that allows us to become a lot more competitive on a global scale. Um, because, you know, I think, I don't think very many people realize the fact that within an automotive sphere, we compete against fellow Ford plants for business. That's an excellent so point. So you have to be as comp- sharper and more competitive because of distance than many other plants around the world. 100%. So, you know, we get the, the, the decision for business to be located in a country is based on a number of key factors and, you know, efficiency, effectiveness of, you know, cost efficiency is absolutely crucial. Um, quality on vehicles is absolutely, um, essential. Policy certainty from a government perspective is also absolutely crucial and that's where the automotive master plan has, has really played a big role. So we are we are in a competitive bid situation. One of our biggest competitors will be our Thailand facility that manufactures Ranger just south of Bangkok. So this is a you know a really important shot in the arm and is really testament to a public private sector partnership where we've come together, we've found a way for us to be able to do business in South Africa that competes with the rest of the world and we can do so um, on a superior footing and be super competitive. So we're incredibly proud of Ford Motor Company, and I'm incredibly grateful um, by the level of cooperation and support that we've received from the, the government to make this happen. And you know, the way I described it to my fellow uh, operating committee members is we are changing people's lives. This is a legacy that we're going to be leaving long after we've moved on. We're going to have this SEZ, the Special Economic Zone, adjacent to our plant, and it's going to entrench forward as a manufacturing footprint in South Africa for, for generations to come. Well, that's absolutely amazing. I mean, as I said, it's it's wonderful to get a good news story, a positive spin on all the, the negativity that floats around in our country, and we look forward to a whole lot of fantastic new and technological, being a tech show, technologically advanced forwards in the nearest future with all the, the amazing new tech that's going to be developed in the special economic zone attached to your plant. So thank you so much for giving us this insight and joining us on the show. Absolute pleasure, Stephen. Always a pleasure to talk to you. 
And yeah, we've got a couple of surprises coming with you. I'm not going <laughs> to, I'm not going to give those away at this particular point in time. You know, we've got to keep something, we've got to keep our powder dry for future references. As long as it's red and it's got a little hoss on the front, I'm, I'm happy. <laughs> well, we, I'm sure we can. I'm sure we can find something there. But I think, just in closing, I think the point that I really wanted to make also is that you touched on something that is very near and dear to my heart. There's a whole lot of negativity that we can focus on, but I think we as South Africa really need to start focusing on the positives. And you know, all you got to do is look back at how fantastic the result was over the weekend, where we had 23 people representing 57 million people on a, bat, a, bat, a field of battle in a Rugby World Cup final and it's amazing what unity uh, can do to bring an incredible result home and you know I have this firm belief that South Africa we're a country that is stronger when we're united and we've really got to make a, a, a concerted effort to always focusing on the positive and making sure that we put our best foot forward as, as being proudly South African. Absolutely. I cannot endorse that more. And thanks for all that info, and we will definitely talk soon. Thank you, Neil. Pleasure, Stephen. Look forward to catching up. Great stuff. This is Tech Talk with Stephen Ambrose on 101.9 High FM. Well, welcome back. And this is the second half of Tech Talk Cafe. I mean, two interviews in one day. It's nearly Christmas, I think. So <laughs> joining me in the studio, and even though this is, you know, high FM and Christmas is not a thing, it's let's call it Nelu Hanukkah. So we're getting there. Welcome to the studio, Steve. Um, Steve Cohen from Future TV. And he is a bit of a streaming man. He knows lots and lots about streaming. And he's doing some really interesting stuff. We're just chatting about it on, 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 on streaming. We'll talk about that in a minute. But the launch of Disney Plus. Do you see that as a, a big deal in the, in the streaming environment? What's your thoughts on, on the whole, the whole new launch, which actually happened on Tuesday? Hi, Steve. Yeah. Um, so I think it's very exciting, especially when you start uh, entering the child, mo- the children's market. Uh, that's when things is game changers. I mean, uh, Disney's got a massive catalog of backlog, st- of back, uh, history stuff of, from 1940 up till now. And, um, I mean, they just released most or everything from their back catalog. I don't mean it was so everything, but there was some really, most. I mean, the first it was so cool. We, we, when it launched, don't, don't have to tell you I had to have, yeah. but I did. And we watched the first, it was called Dreamboat something. Dreamboat. Oh, Willie's Dreamboat. Willie's Dreamboat. Dreamboat Willie. Dreamboat Willie. Yeah. That was the one first, the very first Disney animated Mickey Mouse cartoon ever. And it's just, it's unbelievable. It, no voice, obviously, just music and, and, and words. And the, the animation was just so basic. It's just, what an amazing thing to see on your TV in 2019 and all of them are there. So it's, it's, it's pretty special and it's pretty cool. I did. I mean, I, I saw, I wanted to watch Gummy Bears again just for the, the song, <laughs> the theme song. So that, when I saw Gummy Bears, I said, oh, Jesus, I'm sold out. Eh? This is my service. Um, I think in the end of the day though, it's all about original content. I mean, yes, we can go back to 1940, get all the content there and, and see stuff up to now, especially uh, kids are doing plays of like Little Mermaid and Beauty and the Beast and then they can watch it all. It's all included for $6.99. But if you look at original content where the things are going forward, you've got to remember new product. Netflix is the originals are still on top. Now for Disney to get there, yes, they've got all the money and they just bought out two 
Hulu, 60% of Hulu. So they've got a massive... Uh, uh, Just to give some context, the, yes. the big players in the U.S. right now are Netflix and to a slightly lesser de- degree because of a different type of platform, Hulu is a major player because they sure. aggregate a ton of other studios and a little bit of their own original content. So Correct, yeah. basically on Hulu you can watch... Um, some of the latest stuff from NBC and all the other channels yeah. really quickly without having to be subscribed to NBC or, or ABC or any of the other sort of major channels in the U.S. That's so, right. Yeah. So Apple bought – Apple. Ugh, got Apple <laughs> on the head. Um, Disney, Disney bought a big share of that, and we'll probably see some sort of bundle in the nearest future. But – it gives them access to a massive range of massive, content. Massive. And also, they, uh, Disney on ESPN Plus and ABC. So, what happens is ESPN Plus, they're offering a bundle with Hulu, Disney Plus in, for the state, obviously, and ESPN Plus, which the ESPN Plus, it's a smaller uh, bundle. You can't get, like, the latest tennis, but you'll be able to get, like, the second quarter, or the, the other courts of tennis. You can pick up Curry Cup Rugby, which actually is a super sports stream that sends through to the states <laughs> for $4.99 a month. So, so when you get into that, it's, it's quite interesting. I mean, um, and also the UFC and, and stuff like that. But um, when, when you look at that, they are going to be a major player, Disney. Uh, I think um, it's going to be very interesting, um, and things are starting frag- to fragment a lot. And I'll talk about our What's New channel and why we created a What's New channel for the American market to actually show you what came out for the day. Watch the trailer and go straight into the channel. So it's not all you've got everything that's that's interesting and good because that's one a channel big thing. problem. I mean, you yes. switch on your TV today. I mean, some you know, obviously the South African choices are some, somewhat limited, Correct. but they're going to grow. The Disney is coming. We've already got Apple TV. We've got a whole host of multiple services, and each one's got its own app. And it's becoming a little bit of a, a problem, which yes. you've got 45 apps open and your TV runs out of memory. And, and it's just become a little bit of a problem to, to curate all the stuff. And you're saying that you've come up with like a little curation plat- app that does it all together. It does it all together. It takes all the, the, the top rated shows. And then for the day and puts it together and say, what's new on Netflix, Hulu, HBO, Disney Plus. And then you can go straight from our channel into Disney, into Hulu, and we'll go straight in. As long as you've got a subscription to those channels, you can watch them. And you can also see a trailer of what's happening. That's very, very, very cool. Thank and you. that you wrote yourself, and it's on available on the Roku platform. It's available on the Roku platform for the U.S. Uh, customers. So at the moment, we're focusing on U.S. We want to do it in every market in the world that's got streaming services available. So it's really possible for you to be able to do that with a South African streaming service as well we can, in the nearish future. Yes. Uh, the reason why we're only focusing on Roku and uh, d- d- uh, Showmax and DSTV aren't available on it at the moment but uh, so we're not really focused on the South African market, we more into America and we've got about 65,000 users at the moment, current users using our free version that, that, the, and then we've got a subscription version which is 99 American cents a month and when they press play, it will go straight to the channel. The the free okay, version will just, just show you what's new. And then you've got to go new. find it somewhere. Correct. You've got to go find app. it, which is which is kind of defeating the purpose, but it's showing you what's new and what's good, and you can watch the trailer. But you can't go straight into now, the channel. Now, obviously, you know, yes. with uh, TV is very territorial, and you can't watch American t- American programs in South Africa, and it becomes a little bit of a minefield, something I don't want to go into in this show. Good. But there are ways that people can... Uh, watch American TV in South Africa, yeah. and that's something they can find out from you. 
They can find out from us. Uh, obviously, we we do offer a service that does it. We've uh, we've taken we've got a, a special service that get to, 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 just uh, defeats the border restriction, the virtual border restrictions. Careful wording. Them. Don't use defeats. <laughs> You're not allowed to do virtu- that. Sorry, but it's a virtual border. To it's like lights over of- every single country, <laughs> and you can watch and subscribe. Not free. You subscribe no, no, to no, the no. channels. No, piracy that, that, is yes. a crime, no, and we, we do not do that. We don't discuss that. IFM and Tech Talk do not endorse piracy. In any way, shape or form But the truth is that there is tons of content in the world And there are perfectly legitimate ways of accessing this And they can pick that up from you on futuretv.com Yeah, futuretv.co.za Or info at futuretv.co.za Remember that guys So we've got to have a quick break for our sponsors And then we'll be back to wrap up this uh, really interesting talk about how to watch stuff that perhaps is not entirely available. This is Tech Talk with Stephen Ambrose on 101.9 High FM. Well, welcome back. And because this whole streaming thing is, is just so fascinating, and I mean, the choice of content that you got today in the world is, is pretty nuts. I mean, what is really interesting also, just as an aside, and we'll talk more about some ideas Steve's got and, 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 and where the landscape's going in the U.S. So you've got all these streaming services and then you've got a lot of free services in the U.S. You know, you know, for Netflix, you pay. For Amazon, you pay. For Disney, you pay. But there are a couple of services that are entirely free. But before we get to that, um, where we are going is South Africa is actually quite well served. I mean, the people at Showmax are doing quite an incredible job of bringing a ton of aggregated content uh, from around the world, some of it very exclusive, that you, like HBO. They've got a ton of HBO content. So we're pretty well served in the streaming space. But with the Disneys and, and these other guys coming online, it's going to get more and more complicated to to find out what you want to watch and when. So... Your just to touch back on your 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 little app, which takes all that stuff and highlights what's cool and allows you, if you pay, to go directly to the app if you've subscribed to that service. It's a really clever idea. It's something that I think a lot of the guys are going towards. I know Apple and Amazon have moved somewhat in that way. But have you had good feedback? Is there a good traction it's, for that idea? It's great. When I look at the analytics, um, it's pretty much most of the people, like I say 70 to 75% of the people that have Download and install the channel are using it every day, so it does look like it's a service that's really needed. In, in that's, the that's pretty impressive. Yeah. And then all these free. Tell us a little bit about these free services, like you mentioned, Pluto, CW, CW. things like that, and they're available pretty much anywhere in the world. So, um, no, so there's a there's a there's a there's a service called Tubi TV, Tubi TV, which, which have different region uh, content. Um, they free and it's free with ads, so they're ad supported. Um, in the states, obviously, we'll have a better catalog, so you'll have more of the mainstream movies, not B stream movies, and um, they offer unbelievable content for free. So every month they change what they've got. Same as Sony Crackle. Sony Crackle is a free channel, free to air channel, and they've also got all the Sony. Well, Sony own it, so they release. Set, uh, different free content every month and Pluto TV is the most interesting because that just got bought out by um, who was it uh, Time Warner for yeah, 300 million dollars and what they offer is 150 so you know when you see on DSTV you've got 101 is movie magic 102 is this Mnet whatever same sort of concept except it's free 
Okay, they'll offer lots of news channels, but how they work is it's all advert. Uh, so advertising basically, they're a, they're an advertising they, based correct. So they, online streaming channel, but they've got rights to MTV, Viacom stuff. They've got rights to uh, so many different services. MTV now, um, they've got MTV Music, all the biggest hits and stuff, and it's all ad ad based. But they've got like a most amazing catalog of stuff available. So they're a bit of a DSTV online for free. For free, exactly. And, and so that's pretty. what. America, America is, they've got, uh, that's why I don't know how their cable, like, that's why all the cable, like, services are buying out these streaming services as well. Because they see this as a new potential and the way forward in so, the streaming so, industry. So do you believe that at some point we're going to start seeing more and more of that in South Africa, which is a sort of free to, free to stream ad based type I think aggregation that's, services. I think, I think what people are going to do, uh, I'm sure you've seen a lot of the service providers in South Africa, the, uh, the guys that have come out with their streaming services in South Africa have kind of closed down. They've shut down a lot. So what we see as Future TV is yes, we create channels right. for people, but to, to get content rights to specific channel, it's, it's too expensive. And people no, aren't, it's enough. too, we've got a small market here. That's why Disney's kind of saying, should we launch in South Africa? Should we not have? We've got, because the rumor is they will launch towards the end of next year. They say in two years, they haven't even announced South Africa, but no. Australia, New Zealand, and the radio are getting it in 10 days, UK in March, because they've got their own Disney Life uh, yeah, platform. Yeah, they've got their own platform. So, um, but besides that, I think if, if there's any guys, I mean, in interest, like interest with, like NBC in, in South Africa, they should create a, a free network that, that people can stream for free, but get it ad supported. So maybe they might make more money in ad revenue and eventually, you know, they can maybe charge but ad I free. It is a scale thing, you know, in many it's ways, a, yeah. as much as we feel streaming is ubiquitous in South Africa, it's still, only those that have a really good internet connection. It's not an inexpensive service to get into. You know, I'm speaking to a mate in Australia. Let's yeah. talk about our infrastructure. And to be honest with you, we've got a such a good at the moment. Yes, the prices are getting better, but we've got a great infrastructure. If you've got fiber available in the country, oh, no, we no do. Question. It's better than Australia. And as much as people say, "Oh, we third world, whatever," it's ridiculous because they, I've seen their speed there and I've seen <laughs> their problems they have. That's exactly we got better. We actually got a better infrastructure. See, so it's a good news, South Africa Day. Yeah. We've got a special interest zone or special economic zone with Ford. We've got better infrastructure than Australia. Times are good. So, sorry, Steve, we're just running out of time, but. Again, if people want to know more about this, learn how to, they can aggregate, perhaps get access to some of this interesting content we've been talking about, where do they get hold of you? Um, they can go to futuretv.co.za or email me info at futuretv.co.za. Brilliant. Thanks so much. And we'll be back with a quick gadget of the week. I can see my timers run away with me straight after this. This is Tech Talk with Stephen Ambrose on 101.9 High FM. Well, welcome back. And, and as you all know, I am a bit of a gadget freak. I love playing with toys. I love all the latest gizmos and, and things. And one of the, the coolest new devices that have come across my desk in the last little while is the Fitbit Versa 2. Now, Fitbit, interestingly, this story just gets more and more interesting. They've launched a whole lot of new products this year, and they've become, I would believe, one of the leaders in the wearables, health tracking, and watch space after Apple, who is number one. And even big guys like Samsung and Huawei have not quite cracked the, the formula in the space extremely well. They make some great watches, but then they're too clunky or busy 
for general sports. There's some really good sports, the Suntos, the Garmin sports tracking watches that do an amazing job for serious sportsmen. But where Fitbit have really sort of found their niche is below the fancy apples in price and certainly with functionality, a great app and an overall fit and quality that at a price that is very, very attractive for most people. And when the Versa came out, it was a sort of an extension of the acquisition of the Pebble watch. And it looked like a Pebble. It had all the features of a smartwatch, all the features of a Fitbit health tracker. And it was really, again, around about two and a half, three thousand rand, depending on where you bought it. Very good value. And it, it, it looked the part. It was easy to wear. It was light and comfortable. Well, they've updated the original Versa with a new Versa 2. And in a nutshell, I think it's probably the best value smartwatch stroke health tracker on the market with a couple of caveats. The first one is if you're a serious runner and you don't want to take your smartphone with you, it does not have built-in GPS. So you have to pair it with your phone to be able to use the, 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 the tracker and link it to GPS, which is great if you've got Runtastic or one of those other apps. It then shares your heart rate and your pace and everything with the, with the, the app and all sorts of info can come out of that. But it's not nearly as good for serious sports, sports fans as the Garmin's, the Suntos, and even in some respects the Apple Watch, because the Apple Watch has it got built in and one day when they finally get eSIMs operating properly in this country, you can have an Apple Watch, which is a standalone making calls, receiving calls, streaming audio. But that's, uh, funny enough, um, Samsung have got that right now. But that's for another discussion for another day. But the Fitbit Versa 2, so that is the one caveat. The other one is simply that it has limited functionality with regard to smartwatches. Yes, all your notifications come through. You can choose which ones. The manner and style which they come through is a little text-based, which is fine. But what they've done on the on the on the Versa 2 is they've changed the screen to an OLED, which is which is great. It's bigger, it's brighter, and it's much more visible in 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 sunlight. So if you're outdoors, it really works extremely well. Went for a couple of park runs with it. Went to gym. I've been tracking my gym with it and it's brilliant it links to the gym program so i get extra points there it links to discovery so you get your points there and overall i'm very very impressed with both the quality and the functionality of the fitbit versa 2 the challenge that fitbit have got is that the old apple um Series 3 watch is now only a couple of hundred rand more. But the difference between the two is that I don't believe the Series 3 watch is as good a health tracker as the Fitbit. It is a far better smartwatch, and it only links to Apple devices, whereas the Fitbit links exactly the same to iOS or Android. So it doesn't matter which platform you use, the app's the same, the functionality's the same, and overall usage is great. It has one other little wrinkle which I don't find particularly useful or, or, or functional at the moment. You can actually use Alexa voice controls on it as well. So you can say, hey, Alexa, and, well, you've got to push the button. Hey, Alexa doesn't work. And then if your phone's not around, it tells you connection lost. And my phone's on uh, airplane mode because I don't want anyone harassing me on the radio. So it's not working. So voice controls are, are quite cool. When it does work, you can turn on the TV, you can turn off the lights, you can do stuff through voice control. And if you've got a Ford car, you can even talk about Ford. You can even, I'm being kicked out of the studio, but two more points. Um, 
with a Ford car, you can even unlock your car or tell it to make calls using uh, Amazon Alexa. So voice control is quite useful. I just think the implementation here is a little clunky. But it's not a deal breaker. So in a nutshell, if you're looking for a good-looking, very Apple-ish, <laughs> in many ways, uh, watch that, that really performs well, great health tracking, great sleep tracking, um, fabulous heart rate monitoring in many, many respects. The app is easy to use. They've revamped it really well. And the price at around about three and a half to three nine, depending on specials, wait for Black Friday. You never know. You might be able to get them really at a good price is very, very, very hard to beat. There are slightly older technology watches with maybe more features, but this is just, again, a really good combination of great tech, good usability, all the notifications that you need, and everything that you would want from a smartwatch as well as a comfy, easy-to-use health tracker with four to five days battery life, more important than anything. So you only need to charge it maybe once Every five, six days, and that makes a big difference. Where most smart, smart watches, you've got to take them off at night and charge them overnight. And on that point, I'm afraid uh, if I don't wrap up and get out, I'm going to be shoved out. That's another tech talk for, for this Thursday on High FM.